0: We've been doing this podcast for about seven years now, actually over seven years. And that's what makes this, it's just so difficult to say. Worst of sure, worst of sure, worst of shires. I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) Difficult conversations are not easy or fun. Hence the term difficult. Maintaining interpersonal relationships in the workplace involves problem-solving and a fair amount of compromise when dealing with difficult situations. In this episode, we're going to discuss having difficult conversations from the perspective of the person initiating the conversation. We'll talk about things you need to know and do before, during, and after the conversation. But before we get started, Will, what's been difficult for you this week?
1: Uh, Well, I don't know if it's necessarily difficult so much as it's just a lot of thought. I've been dealing with a lot of uh, Docker configuration and trying to figure out, like, if you're standing up a bunch of stuff for yourself, like how many Docker compose files you break that into and running into lots, lots of weird stuff with that, because I'm also trying to push those configs into Portainer and have it stand up new containers as I go been fighting with that and fighting with typescript configuration in a mono repo and how that interacts with docker and how that interacts with n p m and that has been an interesting journey. <laughs> I'll just put it that way I've got stuff working and I'm scared to touch it right now
0: no yeah, I get that how about you this past Sunday was my first time on uh, stage at church well not the first time on stage but my first Sunday playing on stage I was Excited and nervous. As the synth player, I got up at the end of the sermon, you know, before the rest of the worship team gets up and basically played solo behind our pastor as he kind of wrapped up the lesson. That was crazy. I'm already nervous getting up and playing in front of people. You can give me a microphone and I can talk about anything in front of any amount of people, but have me play music in front of people and I'm really nervous. And then add the fact that I was up there by myself. That was intense. And now I'm addicted. Oh my goodness, that was so amazing. I can't wait till the next time I get to do that. Because when I'm playing with the band, if I mess up or something, I can just sort of take my hands off, find my place and come back in because I've sort of got everybody else playing. So you don't notice it as much if if I kind of come out and come back in. And it kind of sounds like it's planned sometimes. But with that, it was just me. And if I messed up, I just had to keep going because there wasn't anybody else playing to kind of cover up the fact that I messed up. So it was cool. Did make, you know, obviously made a few mistakes. Nobody's perfect, but I've been really focusing lately on recovering from the mistakes. You know, the whole theme of this year for the podcast is resilience. So I've been just applying that in other areas of life too. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really paid off because even though I made a few mistakes, I was able to come right back in. The only really big one that I made with the um, playing solo was uh, I messed up the chord progression. I didn't play the wrong note so it sounded good. I just played the wrong chord in the progression and since no one else was playing, it didn't sound bad because it wasn't contrasting with anything and I just restarted the progression at that and just acted like it was not done on purpose. I think the only people who noticed were the head of the keyboard section, she was really nice that that first service. She stood at the back of the auditorium and was basically just like moving her hands, helping me keep the beat. And like, she was moving the hand position to show when to change chords. And I noticed, the only reason I noticed I messed up was I noticed her hand position was in the C sharp minor place and I was playing an E chord and I'm like, oh, oops, well, I'm just starting this chord progression over and like, she heard what I was doing and just nodded like, that's the right thing to do. I'm like, good. So, you know, it was it was so really good.
1: Speaking of recoverable mistakes, did you have any problems uh, from the Ethiopian food we ate Saturday?
0: None whatsoever. Good. Actually, it solved a problem. So uh, Will and I met up, not for a business meeting or anything, just to hang out. The first time we've done that in quite a while. Uh, we always have like usually a purpose for it, but this was just a hangout, which was nice. And, uh, we, we had some Ethiopian, uh, now that I can eat onions and, uh, I'm on some medication that basically makes it so that I never really feel full. So did you feel full after that? I mean, cause there was, there's a lot of food there. <laughs> there was, but it was, it was more the onions, like onions kind of give me some, like give some weight to it. So, uh, Sunday after church, my mom came to second service and took me out to lunch and, uh had extra onions on my burger and I felt full after that. I want to test yeah. it out, you know, I'm like, all right.
1: Yeah. If that gets you there, that's, uh, I was wondering if you would, of course, I mean, I, I get the spiciest thing there and then I get a little thing of mit mitta and drag my bread through it and then pick up the stuff. So mine, it tastes like burning. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. It's definitely, I put a, I put a lot to it because I typically eat there if I'm starting to get a cold and I've got congestion because mm-hmm. it either that or Thai or Indian. Or yeah. sometimes Korean will blast that stuff out, but you know Ethiopian is definitely great for that. It'll and and I really like the food. Food was food.
0: amazing, and well, we we also um, got uh, an Ethiopian coffee. It's like a whole process with like they they bring it out on this tray with frankincense and all. That. It was it was amazing, but man, that coffee was so good.
1: It was. I mean, because normally I have to put sugar.
0: Yeah. I was like, you you didn't even have to put sugar in it. I'm like, this was so...
1: Put a little bit of milk in there. Because it's like, I typically put the sugar in coffee to cut the acidity, is what it ends up being, is to cover it up. Well, I mean,
0: I haven't had coffee that good since I got back to the United States. So, that says something. But yeah, I definitely want to go back there.
1: Well, I got a couple other places up that way that I want to show you too, so...
0: All right. That sounds good too. But I I definitely want to go back to that Ethiopian place. That was amazing. And it's just so awesome that I can eat the food there now. So...
1: Saving money is hard,
0: especially when you eat with me. Lucas Casadas is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado.
1: And just like Complete Developer Podcast, his focus is on helping you to not only establish a real plan for what you want to do going forward, but to also take action on that plan so that you can create the life that you want to live. Hey guys, investing
0: in financial planning services really comes down to whether or not you can improve your finances. And with the help of Level Up, the compounding impact of making better financial decisions will easily pay for itself.
1: Level Up also has a unique pricing model that will help you no matter where you are in your financial journey. So it's not too early to start right now.
0: Or too late. Uh, Best of all, Lucas is a fiduciary for his clients. And what that means is that he's not trying to sell you a product. Instead, his role is to guide you toward a better financial situation.
1: And if you want some more of that guidance, you can catch his podcast, Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp, where he covers financial topics that you probably will encounter or have encountered. And he also interviews other IT professionals who share how they navigated their own careers and he has even more advice and guidance over at levelupfinancialplanning.com.
0: At some point in your career, you will have to initiate a difficult conversation. You may be a senior developer who has to address issues in the code with another developer, or you may be in a lead or management position and have to address an issue between employees. Whatever the situation that prompts the conversation, it's not one that you're going to look forward to having unless you're just... One of those weird people that do. These conversations are ones that must take place, though. You don't want to deal with it and basically
1: wish it would just go away. While there are actually some people who enjoy conflict, uh, that's, you know, looking at you, Enneagram type eights, and we both have one in mind. The majority of us try to avoid it as much as possible. The more pragmatic know that it is necessary, even if they don't enjoy it. It seems easier to just avoid the conversation than to deal with the emotional fallout and uncomfortable discussion around it. But unfortunately, avoiding difficult conversations means that nothing changes and can lead to resentment, causing even more conflict that leads to a more difficult conversation than would have happened had the initial issue been addressed. It can be hard to grasp that conflict in and of itself isn't a bad thing. Having
0: difficult conversations and disagreements is an essential part of working on a team. If you think about the stages of team formation, this is how you go from that storming phase to the norming phase. These uncomfortable, difficult conversations actually create an environment where employees and coworkers feel safe to bring up issues and talk about the problems
1: that they may be having. In this episode, we're going to discuss how to prepare for difficult conversations, what to do and what not to do during the conversation, and things you can do after the conversation is over. These are all from the perspective of the person initiating the conversation. And in the future, we'll have an episode on how to handle yourself when you are the subject of a difficult conversation.
0: Yeah, that was a bit much to put all into one
1: episode. Yeah, well, and I think the other one, we almost need to have an episode as well on how to tell when it's coming.
0: That'll be that. probably be part of the other one. So I haven't written that one yet. And who knows, you may end up writing that one. But uh, yeah. What do you
1: mean? You think my experience means I've been on the receiving end? (laughs) Yeah, I have. (laughs) We both have. Come on now, bro. Yeah. All right. So first
0: off, you want to have the conversation as soon as possible. The longer you wait to have a difficult conversation, the more challenging that conversation will become. Because as time passes, you're going to build up anxiety about the conversation and the situation leading to it is at best going to stay the same and more than likely going to get worse.
1: Well, and it also people habit form is the other thing too, right? They're used to it being a certain way. And if you put up with something for three years, all of a sudden, even if it was something minor, if you say something about it, now it's a big deal. Yeah. Versus before it would have been like, oh, we could just do this other thing. Yeah. You really don't want to fall into a cycle of procrastination that will cause you to only have the conversation when things have gotten so bad that it can't be avoided. When that happens, you rarely have time to prepare. So my mom would do this, uh, you know, when I was a kid, she was trying to be nice, right. And trying not to have conflict and, and all this stuff. And what happens is, is the situation builds up to the point where not only is the problem, you know, just, pathological by this point but you're really angry about it or you're really nervous or you know the stakes have have been raised in some way and as she got older she realized that doesn't work so well and you know stopped doing that but I mean I can definitely remember that and that's a tendency that I've struggled with myself you know for exactly the same reason you want to be nice and then you get to a point where there's one little irritating thing that just keeps happening and you just absolutely explode Yeah, you guys are both ones uh, I'm not sure what she is, but yeah, very similar personality. Like we'll put up with mm-hmm. stuff for a long time, and then we've had enough. It's just, it's on. Yeah,
0: I think that's probably more your two wing. Because yeah, my mom's a one wing too, and she she's like that too. And it's like if you just addressed this when it was an issue, it wouldn't have been such a big deal.
1: Yeah, and you wouldn't have exploded and made a bigger mess.
0: Yeah, yeah. With these conversations timing can be important. Some say you want to have them on, like in in the workplace, on a Friday afternoon, so that everyone involved has the weekend to kind of cope and recover from it. Whereas other people say you want to do it earlier in the week, so you don't ruin your weekend and you can just relax over the weekend.
1: It really depends on the situation and the people, uh, uh, yeah. because like you'll get some people that. You know, after a conversation like this, they're really, really mad for a day and then they're just over it Mm -hmm. and it's back to normal. And maybe to your advantage for them to be mad at home versus in the office or not. And then there's some people that are going to resent for Mm -hmm. a while. And if they sit home perseverating about it, they're going to come in Monday even angrier. Exactly. So you just really have to know the other person, which is you know kind of the whole point here.
0: Yeah, that's very true.
1: That said you do need to wait until emotions that you have, such as anger, have kind of tapered off a little bit. If you can't talk about it without feelings and you're not ready to discuss it, because you need to be able to quantify things, you need to be able to explain things, and getting angry and using emotional language either makes the other person not listen to you at all or makes them engage in the same and you don't get to a protective end.
0: Right, and we're going to have a, a, quite a bit more about this later on in the episode. So yeah, we're going to dive deeper into this, but uh, I I put it in here because it kind of relates to the timing and I didn't want to wait until we talk about it later to mention the timing with that too. Finally, under doing this as soon as possible, you want to spend a little time to get ready for the conversation, but don't spend so much time in preparation that you end up using that as a form of procrastination for having the conversation.
1: Yeah, or where you're disingenuous when you get into the conversation because you've been sitting there thinking about how to trap the other person versus going, hey, I want to fix this problem. Because you can do that when you get mad and stay that way. So about preparing for the conversation, start preparing by determining a goal for the outcome of the conversation. If you don't have a goal for the outcome, there's not a whole lot of point in having the conversation because you don't know where you're going. It doesn't matter how fast you get there. You may have several possible goals based on how the conversation goes. So it may be, you know, hey, there's a decision tree here, but at the minimum, you need to have a plan for things go the way you want and another plan for if they go the way that you don't want. And you need to know what both of those look like.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to use a relationship example here. Will kind of knows about this, but uh, I was sort of talking, dating someone, what, June ish? Yeah, it 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 was before I left for Albania. We'd gone on several dates. We were kind of in that weird phase of, well, we're a little bit more than just talking, but we're not quite at the we're dating. There were a couple of things that were just that we didn't see eye tie on that didn't seem significant at the time. So I was like, all right well, that's not a big deal, but the more we kind of got into it it was like, you know what, we really need to address this. And so I actually was planning on having a conversation. Before I left for Albania with her about those, those topics and just saying, hey, you know, and I had a plan. I was like, if it goes one way, then yeah, we're going to continue on and you know dive deeper into this relationship. If it goes the other way, then hey, cut your losses, have a great life. You're a good person. I like you, but it's not going to work out. And quite literally the day that I was planning on calling her that evening after work, that morning, she called me to have the same conversation. And she had basically had the same thing going on. And we, after talking about it, we're like, no, this is not something that either one of us can really compromise on. And so we ended up going our separate ways, friendly and stuff like that. But it was so funny because we both literally went into the conversation with the same plan.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean, you'll find this with difficult conversations. A lot of times both parties know it's coming. Yeah. So like when you fire someone, if you're firing someone, it should not come as a surprise to them. Mm Mm-hmm. If you're downsizing, it's going to be a surprise, right? Because they they like to hide that. But if things are going bad and they know, you know, and you kind of go in prepared. You don't have to plan for every possibility, but you really want
0: to have the most likely directions that the conversation is going to go loosely mapped out. Have sort of an idea of, okay, well, if they take it this way, then this is how I'm going to kind of guide the conversation. Or if they take it this other way, you also may not know what's going on in their lives. I know I got called in one time to a manager because of a, it was WebEx had messed up and I had repeatedly asked someone something to like, and had like, they weren't hearing me. So I got louder and louder. And then when WebEx finally put it through, it sounded like I was yelling at the person. Yeah. And so like I got called in and of course the manager's first thing was, hey, you know, How's things going with you? Like, How's your life? And stuff like that. Because he was trying to assess, hey, this is not normal behavior. What's going on here? And that's how he was going to direct the conversation. When he finally got around to telling me what happened, and I explained it to him, he's like, I've had that same problem with WebEx before too, where the person didn't hear what I was saying. And then discussing it with the the person who had complained, it was like, oh, yeah, that makes so much more sense because it's not like you. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Somewhat segues into the next point, which is that you do need to remember that this is a conversation or you remember that it is a dialogue, not a monologue. In other words, all the parties involved are going to have input and they're going to be part of the discussion. With that in mind, you want to give the others the opportunity to prepare as well when you can. There are some hard conversations that like, you don't really want the other party to be able to prepare necessarily. Firings are great examples of that because you don't want them to make backups of all the code and, you know, go home for the night before they do that.
0: There's give and take here. I mean, if you can have an agenda that you send out to them, that's probably going to be the best thing. If it's, if it's not like a a firing kind of situation, but it's a like, Hey, if it's a course
1: correction, not a course ending. Right. Like if we correct your course outside the building, (laughs) instead of, you know, One set of thoughts versus the other.
0: Mm -hmm. Another thing is you want to practice the conversation before going into it. Think of how it can go well and how you will respond if it does go well. Though, be careful not to script the conversation. Instead, allow yourself for adjustment as the conversation rarely goes as expected.
1: Yeah, and I would also add to this, when you're planning, don't perseverate over how it could go badly and then think about, well, if they say this, I'm going to say this. Right. As far as the negative side of things, just don't engage on that.
0: It's more about like, all right, if, if things start to go badly, how am I going to redirect?
1: How am I going to redirect or what does that tell me? And you know, then I stop there. Yeah. Because you know, I've definitely had quite a few of those kind of conversations and it, you can screw yourself up a lot faster than they can screw you up. Right. Now, you also probably want to lighten your normal workload before and after the conversation because it's going to drain you. You are not firing on all cylinders and going into it, you're not going to be able to think about whatever other thing you have to do and coming out of it, you're going to need some decompression time Mm -hmm. more than likely unless it just goes fantastically well for some reason. Yeah. In which case, it's probably going to be a longer conversation you don't want to have to be on a positive track and suddenly have to bail for another meeting.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. You just need to, even if it does go well, you still have all the stress of the potential going into it. And so you want to just like let yourself have that easier kind of day to to calm down a bit.
1: Well, sometimes when things go well, it's actually worse than when they go bad in the short term. It can be. Yeah. no. Yeah.
0: So next When you're having these conversations, like during the conversation, stick to the facts and leave emotions out of it. We've kind of hit on this a little bit, but we're going to dive deeper into it. In your preparations, you want to focus, and in the conversation too, but focus on the facts of the situation that you're discussing. You know, when you're planning this out and then when you're in there, you want your focus to be on the facts of what's going on because this will help prevent emotions from taking over while you're having the conversation. And if you've listened to our very first point and waited until your emotions subsided before having the conversation, then it's going to be a lot easier to do this.
1: Yeah. And when you bring emotions into it, the other thing is, is the other person, hey, this is fair game now. Mm -hmm. And so you're also closing off certain avenues of, you know, in that decision tree, you're going, hey, this decision goes somewhere bad. I don't want it. Yeah. And so you pick something else. Don't. Let yourself get worked up or anxious about a particularly difficult conversation that you're going to have. Treat it just like any other discussion or conversation. It's best to assume that conversations are going to go well because everybody's trying to save face, if nothing mm-hmm. else. You plan for other outcomes and you're prepared for them, but you know, you don't focus on those so much.
0: Yeah, it's the idea of plan for the worst, but expect the best.
1: Yeah. And you know the thing is, is like, okay, you have to fire somebody or you think you might have to. Yeah, Those are the fun ones, right? Where you're like, okay, if it goes this way, they got to go. But that can still be a thing that you view in a positive light, right? It's like, hey, they're not a good fit here and they would be happier somewhere else and they would not be making me miserable. You know, like you got to be able to see the silver lining in that Mm -hmm. somewhere.
0: You want to keep your tone and your body language as even and professional as possible. If you can't think about the situation without getting worked up, this isn't the right time we're kind of hammering that point in because a lot of people will, and I didn't put this in the notes, but a lot of people will use that and Will and I are the type that we use our anger to galvanize us to, to get going. And they'll be like, all right, I'm worked up about this. So I've got this fortitude and strength to have this conversation. Now, if I wait, then I won't want to have it. That is not the time to have these conversations.
1: It's a great time to get work done. But yeah, otherwise it, it doesn't, Because you're dealing with another person, there's just the unpredictability there. The ultimate goal in a conversation is to come up with a solution to the situation that caused the conversation to take place. Keep in mind, keep that in mind while you're addressing the facts so that you have a clear reason to not get emotional, right? You have a goal. Hopefully, you can convince the other person the goal and you can move on.
0: So next, while in the conversation, show respect to the other person by understanding their side of the situation. If you've planned out your conversation, like we we said, and you'll have an idea of how you want the conversation to go. It's not likely to go exactly as planned. So you do need to be flexible when dealing with the other person.
1: Yeah, I mean, if especially if it's a reaction that you wouldn't have had. A lot of times the reaction that you wouldn't have had is because they have data that you don't have or they lack data that you do have, uh, which is you know, the other side of it. Usually that's the case in in my experience, it's
0: been they lacked data. If I had to initiate the conversation, it's been because they lacked certain information that I had.
1: Yeah. I mean, mine has been that they there was other stuff going on that I didn't, you know, it's like, okay, this irritates me. It's like, yes, this doesn't need to be handled in this way, but there's an underlying something that I didn't know about. You know, these people have worked together for 10 years and they had some argument nine years ago. And they've had underlying tension since and stuff is getting said that looks inappropriate to me, but it's actually a reaction to a much older problem that didn't get solved. But you really have to listen to what they have to say with the intent of actually understanding their position on the situation. And understand here, too, that good listening involves asking questions about what they're saying rather than planning your next point. You have to look at this as an opportunity to collect information, not to dispense information.
0: Exactly. And we've had an episode on listening skills. It was a while back. We we might want to do another one, sort of update it, but go back and check that out if you think you may not you may need that going into a conversation. Just to sort of beef yourself up on your ability to be a good listener. Also, when you're going in here, a good way to show respect is to enter the conversation from a point of empathy. Make an effort to understand the other person's perspective. Even if it doesn't fit into your way of thinking or it may seem odd to you, attempts to see how they come to the conclusions that they come to or why they take the actions that they've taken. Like I, I, the reference I'd made to uh, the situation that I had, there was that misunderstanding. My manager literally came in and started the conversation off with this, with trying to understand, hey, what's going on with you? So I can put things in perspective.
1: Yeah, and and it's worth asking those questions, right? Because mm-hmm. don't assume that you necessarily know why someone is doing something. You also may feel like you have to respond immediately to the other person, especially if their talking increases in speed or tone. But don't fall for this trap. Take your time so that you understand them before you come up with a response. Yeah, Like listen to the whole thing that they're saying too, which is the other th- The other part of it, right? Some people get where they talk really, really fast, and you'll catch something in the initial part and react to it. And it doesn't really have anything to do with what they're saying later because they're clarifying in the latter half of the conversation and you'll miss that. And kind of along the same
0: lines, if emotions start to enter the conversation, either for you or for them, if you notice that they're getting worked up and heated, take a step back and slow the pace of the conversation down. By slowing that pace, you can start to both see from the other person's perspective and begin that process of coming up with a solution.
1: And speaking of coming up with solutions, solutions are things that we work towards together. You need to avoid telling the other person what to do. Instead, you actually try to figure out what needs to be done and get their buy in from it. You know, we're reasonable, obviously. Your ultimate goal, no matter what else is going on, should be to resolve the issue that caused the conversation to take place, and you do this by actually working with the other person. You
0: want that interaction. You want their input. You want them to be a part of this process. Well, unless
1: you want to fix it all yourself.
0: And and it's it's yeah. sort of funny because like we we've talked about when you're bringing up a problem, say to the team or something, you want to come with a solution. So you want to have a solution in mind here, but understand it's a process to get to the final solution. That's the beginning point sometimes. So if a person has input into the process of finding the solution, they're going to have that buy-in that Will mentioned earlier. And that buy-in will cause them to want to work toward that solution. People in general are more likely to do something when they've had a say in the plan then if they're just told directly what to do, we've talked about this in many other episodes before about like in the leadership episode that we had uh, April 1st, we talked about how having that buy-in, having that say, even if you don't agree with the decision, having a, at least your input taken gives you that that want to work toward it.
1: Right. The other thing is, is always try to be cognizant of where you're trying to get and more than likely where you're trying to get is not a situation where you're telling somebody what to do all Mm -hmm. the time and micromanaging them. Right. If you can't have the sympathy for the other person, have it for yourself and realize that you don't want to be riding herd on someone Mm -hmm. all the time uh, because that's pretty miserable too. I think you meant empathy, not sympathy though. It can be both. Honestly, a lot of times. Sympathy is feeling
0: sorry for another person. Empathy is understanding where they're coming from.
1: Yeah. And and I've seen it be both because a lot of times, you know, there's, there's situations where you will see somebody and it's like, okay, I can't comprehend where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. Right. But I feel kind of bad for them and I'm going to cut them a break. And sometimes that's as far as you get.
0: Yeah. You want to try and get to that empathy, even if you don't fully understand it, at least go, all right, I can see the logical progression here of how they got there, like how in their mind they got there. But yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I, I see what you're saying there, though. I think the goal should be to empathize yeah. with them. But, but there's, man, I've... Sympath- sympathy when you can't. Yeah, where I can't get there. Yeah. Sympathy when you can't,
1: but empathy is the the goal there. This concept here is you know, part of the reason, reason why Agile is as successful as it is. Waterfall is more like, here's the specs, do what I tell you. Agile is more like, hey, here's kind of where we want to get. Let's talk about how to get there. Yeah. And the developers have a, a say in it. This is the same kind of thing with larger personal, you know, interpersonal conversations.
0: No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. when you work together, you have to be willing to compromise to achieve that ultimate goal of resolving the situation. This means that you're going to have to make some changes too, possibly, in order to reach a workable solution.
1: Well, and sometimes those changes are actually easier. You're just not seeing what's there. So, like, it's not necessarily a, even a pain point then.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: you also need to know the areas or issues where you'll not compromise and you've got to stand firm in those and be lenient in the others, right? There's got to be an area where you just say, no, I'm not doing that. You know, you and I talked about a conversation I had not too long ago, right in that kind of space where it's, it's like, yeah, I understand that other people will do that. I consider that to be a bald faced lie and I'm not doing it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and just not move on it.
0: And that's the same thing with that, um, that relationship I was talking about where, there was a, a couple of things that belief-wise, we were both like, hey, these are things that I won't compromise on, and they clashed. And that's what yeah, ultimately led to it, not forming a relationship.
1: And you don't want to just go along, right? Because like if you had, you'd be getting hurt a year from now, a lot worse. Exactly. And that goes back to why you don't want to wait to
0: have those conversations. Because you and I have both done that in lots of situations in our lives, friendships, stuff like that we didn't say the things we should have, didn't have those hard conversations because we didn't, we didn't want to hurt feelings and we didn't want to lose a friend.
1: We rock the boat.
0: Yep. When we should have had said it earlier.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: So guys, finally, after the conversation is over and you've given yourself a lighter workload after the fact, have a self-retrospective on the conversation. This is not something you do with the other person. It's something you do by yourself. Don't expect things to change right away. You know, there might be some things that have to change right away, but don't expect everything to suddenly be sunshine and roses. These types of conversations, they kind of take time to settle in with people. So we're talking about the timing earlier. It may be a few days or weeks before you even start to notice the change, unless it's an HR-worthy event, and then you better be seeing
1: results immediately.
0: Or it's a firing and you see them immediate results
1: yeah you don't want them coming in next week yeah <laughs> <laughs> well we just cancel this paycheck we figure it'll work itself out you know like, <laughs> not a good plan <laughs> yeah yeah and if you followed our advice in the planning section you're gonna have that light load after a meeting obviously rest a little bit like don't come right in and start immediately beating yourself up over where you screwed up in that discussion mm-hmm. but just chill out go for a walk do something you know, to get your mind off of it and then come back in with that clean slate and, and look at it. Cause even if you stuck to the facts from an emotional perspective, that conversation is going to be draining and you are not going to be aware of how bad you're drained immediately. It like, it sinks in and I I don't know if, I don't know of a good way to put that. It's almost like you have mental momentum after you come out of there that you really don't own. It's a kind of an insidious sort of thing. Yeah. It, it's like that spice that you had the,
0: like, you let me try some of it. Meta, yeah. I, I tried it. I'm like, that's really good. It's like, but I can tell that it's one of those things, the more you eat it, it builds up. You saw how much I had. Yeah, until you suddenly are overwhelmed by it. And that's sort of how this emotional draining goes, just the opposite direction. Instead of building up, it goes away. It like, drains you. And so you don't notice how much you're drained until you kind of come down from the meeting. And all of a sudden, you don't just like, Come down to normal, you crash.
1: And that's why I recommended, you know, going for a walk, you get some physical activity in, get some food. That's why, like, not a difficult
0: conversation, but something that was like I talked about playing on Sunday for the first time, and I came out of there, I was hyper. Like my mom took me out to lunch, and I was, you know, hyped, just go, go, go. And I ordered a coffee, and mom's like, Do you really need a cup of coffee now i'm like i'm gonna crash i'm gonna crash as soon as i get home and the emotions kind of like come down i'm gonna crash and i'm gonna want to go to bed and sleep i don't want to sleep all day i I plan to rest but i'm like i'm not going to i don't want to sleep because then i won't sleep at night so yeah like i i planned that out because i knew hey this is going to be an emotional high and then i'm going to crash and that's what's going to happen here. And you're not going to recognize it until you've done it a few times. Like the the reason I knew that was going to happen is because I made that mistake a few too many times. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. The way you move forward on this is to actually spend some time afterward, you know, a- actually reflecting on the mm-hmm. discussion in the meeting. You know, don't wait a week or anything yeah. like that. But. Just you know, get where you're emotionally recovered and you're in a, a state where you can collect useful data for yourself mm-hmm. because this is kind of what you need to do to be an introspective person and to grow.
0: Yeah. like I, I would suggest having a notepad or something, just writing it down. Uh, yeah. Something about the physical act of writing, it helps to kind of internalize it, um, even more so than
1: typing. Uh, stuff like this, I'll write it down physically and then I'll give it a little bit of time and maybe come back and hit it again in a week or so. And then I'll take that and type it in somewhere yeah. and I'll get rid of that paper. Because I don't yeah. want the paper floating around mm-hmm. with something that's potentially volatile.
0: Yeah. No, that's a, that's a very good idea. When you're doing this, you kind of want to break down the conversation and ask yourself what you can learn from that interaction. This goes back to what Will was talking about, about being introspective. You, This is not something you do with another person. This is something you do yourself to go, hey... How did I handle this situation? Did something happen to make me emotional? What went well in it? What didn't yeah. go well? and how could I have handled things differently?
1: Now, I will add an aside. sometimes you'll be in a situation where there is a third person in the mix mm-hmm. for whatever reason you know sometimes it's you know h r yeah, for instance, you might get that other person's feedback if they're not the target. mm-hmm. I've done that. I've had to have some,
0: some conversations with, uh, now I do, I've been doing leading volunteers for, oh, good grief, since college. And whenever I have one of those conversations, especially when it's like not someone at work, but it's more of a volunteer kind of thing, I always like to have a third person, usually whoever I report to be there and coming out of it. One of my, my big things is an hour or a day later go into him and be like, Hey, what do you think about that? What could I have done better? What did I do right that I should keep doing? That sort of stuff and get that feedback from them.
1: And after you've broken this all down, use what you learn for the next time that you have to have a difficult conversation. That's the reason I get it into a digital format, by the way, so that I can find it. Because if it's a paper, it's not going to be there when I need it. You know, doing so is not going to remove the difficulty from the conversation, but it makes it possibly easier each time. It makes it smoother. And it also Besides helping you handle the situation better, it also increases your learning. Yeah. Right. Because you won't go into the conversation and make the same mistakes again. You'll make different ones, but they tend to be smaller. So it's almost like you're, it's a search pattern for the correct way to handle something and you're tightening it up, is the way I think about it most of the time.
0: That's a really good, good thinking. Also, like think about it like coding. You make mistakes and you learn from those mistakes. Like I know when I had two juniors that I was leading. And like they would call me in to help with something. I'd just tell them, like, I know exactly what the problem was because I had made that mistake multiple times and had to solve it. Or uh, playing music, you know, I, I put that emphasis on recovering that resilience in there. And so the mistakes I made were not as bad because I had learned from the bigger mistakes. And then I make a little bitty minor mistakes and then even smaller mistakes and smaller mistakes.
1: And you'll never Um, get to the point where you make none.
0: Oh yeah. Like we have people on our team who are professional musicians who make mistakes. You know, my, my music teacher um, has been, he's like our age and has been playing professionally since he was in college and still makes mistakes. Now guys, it's never easy when you have to initiate these difficult conversations. And the biggest takeaway here is to plan the conversation before it happens. Doing so will help to ease the anxiety of having the conversation, as well as keep you focused on the facts of it. Remember, the ultimate goal is to find a workable solution to the issue that everyone is willing to work toward. When you do inevitably have to have a difficult conversation at work, use the information here to help guide you toward a resolution that, everyone involved supports it's not always going to work out the way that you want but you will be more likely to get to your ultimate goal by following these tips and that's pretty much all we've got standby for
1: Titanfall. if you have a question or comment please email us at neckbeards at complete developer podcast.com our theme music is an excerpt from standby for titanfall by pure bells available on soundcloud and licensed through creative commons for references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at
0: completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons.
1: You can also follow us on Twitter at complete pod. Like our page on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.